Welcome to Is This Scary? This is Phil. This is Shelby. This is Zach. And this time around we're talking about a classic. John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I say that every time. No, genuinely, I am excited for this one. It is a classic. Well, you know what that means. That means all the times beforehand where you said you were excited, you were lying to us. I know, I'm a liar. I'm sorry. Liar. Whoop, my nose is growing. <laughs> I mean, you got John Carpenter, you got Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley's in this. Um, off the top of my head, those are the most famous people in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of people in this cast. I think it's like, what, 10 people in the compound? 12. I mean, it's a huge cast, and we're going to go into, in a little bit, exactly how that cast affects the film. Quick synopsis, because this movie is is older, and it's a classic, so a lot of people have seen this movie. Yeah. They know what it's about. And if you haven't, watch it. Exactly. So you have... These main characters, Kurt Russell included, are located in an American scientist compound in Antarctica. Uh, they're just chilling, shooting the breeze. They're lonely. Drinking. Yeah, exactly. Drinking. Doing science stuff. Exactly. Doing Unknown science. science stuff. Doing the science stuff of playing chess on a computer, getting mad because you lost, so you dump your uh, drink into it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, some Norwegians show up shooting at a dog in a helicopter they end up hurting one of the americans and the americans retaliate hurting is a putting that light the shoot him in the knee i know Jeez. and then the americans <laughs> fight retire back or go back and they shoot the guy in the head i think he gets shot like right in the eyeball too. he gets shot right in the eyeball and the other norwegian drops his grenade yeah and blows up his box of grenades and, on the helicopter and the helicopter <laughs> and the dog just Oops. Is like, hey, adopt me. But this dog is not a dog. It is a alien from space who can imitate any being, any organic matter, animal, human, whatever, perfectly on the inside and outside. The only thing that it can't do is it can't imitate clothing. And it's very quickly that this is a investigated film full of gore trying to figure out who's infected and who is still human. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched it uh, a few days ago with my girlfriend, and uh, she absolutely, she loved the movie. She hated the dog scene. Mm -hmm. She loves dogs more than people. And she's sitting there, go, I make the statement, oh, that dog just got shot. And she goes, why'd you have to say that? It is a common thing. I'm like, I can see gore and everything but when the dog dies i'm like that's sad but i like how fast this film just boom it becomes oh this is a very serious situation i mean, I mean right. we get that opener of there of just these norwegians are yelling at the americans they have no idea what they're saying kurt russell is just in a sobrero just like what's going on man kurt russell's literally calling them swedes the entire time swedes he's the swedes and my favorite part is every time norwegians whatever yeah they're swedes <laughs> i don't care well and my favorite part is norwegians were just guys from the film crew yep speaking fake swedish exactly <laughs> norwegian <laughs> exactly <laughs> who cares <laughs> Uh, uh, but talking about guys from the film crew and the dogs, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thoughts on the casting and how they affected this movie? I mean, the main cast, because you've got your four... Like, half of the characters are important, half of them aren't. Yeah. They're there for literally a body count. Half of them barely have maybe 30 minutes of screen time, not even that. They barely say any dialogue. And only, I think, twice out of the film do we have the entire cast on screen in one room. And even because me and uh, Zach watched it, and we watched it with the commentary, which we actually recommend because it was very entertaining to watch because, it with the commentary. Because uh, it was John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. It was really cool. It was Apparently, they just wanted to fly away to the, next, to the next town and drink. That's all they wanted to do. Which, by the way, this is another Canadian movie. Yep. It's, it's Canadian. Canada. We but love my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite things they were talking about is yeah, I, John Carpenter. We jumped in the helicopter and flew to the nearest town, and I had a hell of a time finding enough beer to bring back to the movie set. The locals were just not being helpful; they were not friendly at all. <laughs> this is classic Carpenter because he was like this for the fog. He was like this for Halloween. He's literally just making a movie. He's just he's like I don't know, man. It's Kurt Russell would be asking John questions. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I just did it. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. I don't know why. I don't know what made me think this, but I just wanted to punch Windows. Like, he just felt utterly useless. And I know when he's trying to call for help and everything, no one's there. No one's answering. I understand that. I'm not saying that. I just feel like overall. Well, I mean, useless. I feel like that was a common thing with some of the characters. Because his character was literally, he's the communications guy. He was the radio guy. He was doing his job. Yeah. He just didn't have much. How did he suck at it? The weather prevented him from doing his job, Phil. That's not even his fault. He just has one of those punchable faces, I guess. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that I really appreciated about this was just the lighting. And the cinematography, because, and I'm sure you're getting sick of us saying that we like the lighting and the cinematography, because I think this is the fourth or fifth movie we've set it in a row on. But it's good lighting and cinematography that really design the feel and the atmosphere of the movie. And especially when they were wandering around the Norwegian set, and you get all of those dark browns and just muddled colors that just really, you know, paint the picture of desolation and destruction. Yeah. Like, it's all just very well done. And that was one thing that we found while watching the commentary is the Norwegian camp and the American camp are the same place. It's the same set. The only difference between the the two camps was the Norwegian camp. They also did, actually, it's the same, if I remember correctly. They did also a lot of stuff. Um, I think it was Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of on the back lot. So the internal shots from both camps were all a made set piece that they went back to California and filmed there. But yeah, I agree with you. You got the, you got the browns in the Norwegian camp, which we only see at daytime. But then we get a lot of night shots for the American camp, which and, I appreciate. Yeah, and, and we've said it before, but this is that period, you know, you've, early 80s, late 70s time frame. Mm-hmm. Lots of blues. Oh, I love that blue. Just, that, mm, and, and I've noticed all of, just using, for whatever reason, all those different blue hues. Mm-hmm. 
creepy as hell. Yeah. It always works. It always makes it just feel sinister. Yeah. There's just those few shots where they're going back and forth from the main compound to like one of the tiny little outposts or um, McCready shack or something like that. And all they have is really a just tiny little dinky rope. Lead. Yeah. They yeah. got their, they got their guide wire. They yeah. clip into and That's a real thing. That's a real thing. I know that's uh, a real thing, but it's like, man, Missouri's... if those lights go out, they're screwed. That's the purpose of the gu- guide wire is if the lights go I know. out. You're not lost. I know. You walk forward until you hit something. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the issues that I see with the layout. Mm-hmm. I understand for why like why it's set up like that. It's, but mm-hmm. if you're gonna like set up a uh, a camp in Antarctica, you're not having like a bunch of multiple buildings like that. Yeah, it's all gonna be one building because let's be real here. What in all honesty, one of the most unrealistic things about this movie is early on you see guys walk out without a jacket on. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. The wind chill there, it, you, you'll you die quick. Yeah. I was going to say, if I remember what I was reading right, like five, ten minutes out in those conditions, you can start to get frostbite. Yeah. Right. Like it takes next to no time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. Yeah. But. And I'm pretty sure the story starts out like, wasn't it early, like winter? Uh yeah, they were going in. They were going into winter. Yeah, yeah. I gotta be honest though. Uh, the fact that they had the uh different buildings and everything like leads to one of my favorite lines when McCready I think it has childs with him, mm-hmm. and they're he's like, yeah, we're gonna go to my shack. Why? Cause when I left two days ago, I turned the lights off, and it pans up, and the lights are on in his shack. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh. Well then, yeah, something sinister. Yeah, this way comes. Now I will say though, with that scene, mm-hmm. his shack is one of the more realistic things because he lives in the air control tower. Yeah, so they they would have a raised tower for incoming aircraft because you have to have some sort of control tower. And also makes sense because McCready is the pilot, mm-hmm. so it yeah, makes sense exactly. why he would be in that. Area and I think also because he's not a scientist, he's literally just a pilot. He's often prop by himself. He's the odd man out. He doesn't get what all this science stuff is. I mean, he's a country boy, probably. Well, and that is actually painted very well in the beginning of the movie because they have to call McCready, or McCready comes running down. Never mind, they don't call him. McCready comes running down from his shack Mm -hmm. whenever the shooting starts. Like he's. Because everybody else comes out of the main building together, and then he runs oh, up. Right. You can just tell that there's obviously if he's not doing anything, what's he doing? He's drinking whiskey and destroying computers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Remember what you said. The computer's cheating. <laughs> the computer chess simulator is cheating. I get going back to sure. the atmosphere. I mean. Looking at the set itself, this was something that I really challenged myself to really pay attention to because I was like, this is set in a very cold place. I wanted to look cold. I want them to feel uncomfortable. So it is sometimes very hard depending on what places and what scenes they're in. They're actually in the compound or they're in the Norwegian compound. 
sometimes that is not cohesive but at least they try they try very hard to, especially when they go into the the norwegian camp and they it's burnt and there's obviously holes that lead to the outside they did well enough to make it look very texturized showing that there is now snow inside right and there were icicles in the background and what carpenter both carpenter and russell said that they were running mist machines that day so they had like mm -hmm. artificial fog and then i remember one of the scenes because kurt russell was talking he's off camera, he took a giant drag off of a cigarette, and it, as soon as these scenes started, he blew it out like it was a big puff of cold air. Mm -hmm. So it's you know they're they're trying to do whatever they can just right. to make it work. My two things on that note: one, um, I really enjoyed when they went to the Norwegian base and they found the dead Norwegian guy in the chair, mm -hmm. and you see his blood frozen. Mm. I feel like that does a real good job of, of like contextualizing the yeah. the frost and the freezing. But I've also realized rewatching this movie now, I really like winter style horror movies. Mm -hmm. The reason why is a lot of people use the woods and stuff like that mm -hmm. as like that's what's isolating you away from civilization. And as someone who grew up in the woods, I don't see it as an isolation for me. That's oh. fair. I can survive fine in the woods. Fine with that. The cold, on the other hand, you may love the cold, you may hate the cold, but it's it makes it far harder to survive. I think it does a much better job isolating. Well, yeah, you have to... You need, especially in their situation, you need to stay inside. The generator has to stay operational. We can't run out of food. You're not going to run out of water. That's not <laughs> a problem. You run out of water, that's your fault. You can melt snow forever. Right. But it's... Just ask the world. <laughs> We're currently melting as much snow and ice as we can, apparently. And, I mean, we'll go into this a little bit more detail, just going off, of, like, the cold feeling. Because there's moments where, especially McCready, he gets stuck out in the snow for a while. He's out there for, like, 40 to 45 minutes. And when he comes back, he, Kurt Russell literally said he, pretty much they took a, just a dusting of powdered sugar and just went poof. Because he's like, it, every time I licked my lips, it was very sweet. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, we got to make him look cold. His, well, all yeah. of his face and everything The only thing. That was lacking, though, and this is coming from somebody who likes to really pay attention to, like, makeup and stuff. If you're out in the cold, your lips are going to be chapped, especially in that extreme cold. Well, and no one was, and no one coming in from the cold was ever, like, flushed. Like, nobody had the rosy cheeks no. or, or a red nose. Yeah, your, your, your cheeks and your nose are going to be chapped and just, they're, they're going to be super dry because of all the wind. So... If you want a good example of what you're talking about in real life, uh, the Great White North Canada actually has a competition every year where it's who has the best frozen uh, hairstyle. Nice. And they will jump into hot water in the middle of winter and come up and let their hair free, hair and beard and everything freeze. <laughs> That's fine. So you want to understand what, what we're talking about here, look up this competition. It's insane, but people do it. Gotta entertain you some, somehow. 
guess so. Apparently drinking's not good enough. <laughs> but, um, and then another thing. You didn't watch with the commentary at all. No, I didn't. What did you think of the scene where they went to the, the crash spacecraft? How do you think that looked? Like, what was your opinion on it? I thought... I thought it looked fairly good. I, th I thought it looked real good. I thought it, uh, I had seen the movie before, but years before, and I forgot about that scene completely. I actually forgot about the whole Norwegian base aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But when it showed up again, I was like, this is some real scale here. They're, they went real big with this spaceship. They did, and what's really interesting about that? They built just the tiniest amount that they could. The majority of that spaceship was a matte painting the entire time. Really? Yeah. Nice. Like most of it, most of the, all of those scenes, like the, the ice roll they rent, went down was, exists, existed in Canada. Shocker. The cold's cold. Got there. But like most of the actual ship, they built just the tiniest bit that they needed to build. Mm. Everything else was a matte painting. That's cool. The one that got me with it was. It felt oddly spaced. The uh, hole they dug for to find the alien creature. It was so far away. It, yeah, it just it felt like it was arbitrary. I guess if it's going off of like, okay, maybe this this alien can also it it it's reacting to cold the same way as a human being was, so it couldn't get that far away. Well, I don't know. It. It is kind see, of random. Played, see, I I th th got the feeling that uh, the alien enjoyed the cold mm. and hated the heat. Could be. So I and it made the decision to allow itself to be frozen there. Yeah. So. Probably that's like, at least what I was. Here's thinking. a good spot. I'm just gonna dig myself a little hole and then I'm gonna bury myself. Plus, how do they find him? That's a good point. You're he he felt like he was so far away. How would they find? This frozen alien. You can watch the prequel, I guess, if you want to watch it. But uh, no, want, no, absolutely not. Trash. <laughs> I will uh, find better things to do with my time. <laughs> yeah, that's one I don't want to talk about. So, uh, you know what the prequel also doesn't have? That... Good music. It's very true. Do you know why? Because it wasn't uh, written and composed by this legend. You spent it... the time le learning his name. Ennio Marcone, most famously known. For the Dollars Trilogy, specifically, just, you know, the wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah, Also known for small films like The Hateful Eight and Django Unchained and whole, whole lord. There's a lot. <laughs> Gosh, it just keeps going and I just couldn't stop. I really Good, the can't. bag, the ugly... Exorcist 2. I mean, he, he was a... Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time in America. Well, he were, he did, what, at least four films for Sergio Leone, mm -hmm. which is... That's a big deal, too. He yeah. did the Animal Trilogy by Dario Argento. I don't know... Dario Argento. Yeah, that's... I don't know that trilogy. Argento's another, He's one of those auteur directors. Yeah. yeah. What I like about the music in this film... It is, it's almost like a, like a heartbeat, but it's very foreboding. 
and that's if you try not to go into spoiler territory for like the ending it's like is anybody gonna make it <laughs> like it's definitely like it, uh, it, I was hoping that, or in regards to the music itself, it doesn't pick up. It just continues that boom, boom. It's just percussion, I think. I don't really think it's any it's anything super complex or anything like that. But It's not, and I was thinking about it, and almost that I was saying the music didn't really stand out to me, but it had to have, because, mm -hmm. again, you had that, like you were saying, the foreboding, just tension all throughout the movie, and that doesn't happen in a movie without good music. Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, I think this is probably one of his more, like, less memorable scores, mm -hmm. in the fact that, like, I don't know if I played the theme or something like that, that it would pick up on any of us, directly go, okay, that's that. No. But I, at the same time, it does what it needs to do. Well, but this is... It's effective for what it needs. Mm -hmm. This also isn't the kind of movie that I think you would have a big memorable score for. Because it's True. a much more... For this one, it's... The feel of the movie is much smaller than a lot of the other stuff he worked on. And they did that on purpose. They kept the movie feeling very small confined and grounded and realistic which is why if you actually notice this is and they talked about this this movie actually predates your action horror movie that is full of quips and one-liners because there are like there are no traditional hero uh you know cheese takes at the camera in this movie they don't they don't exist here because it doesn't fit the tone of the movie this movie is way too serious for that. Yeah. I to be fair, he had just looking at some of his other stuff, um being realistic, uh what was it? This was one of his last uh not last per se, but one of the ending kind of horror movies in his thing, in his track. He did all of the uh horror movies and I don't remember remember how to pronounce that word so oh, do you Gallo? Yeah. yeah. He did a lot of those. So okay. like he had a good background in horror also leading up to this. Well, cuz Carpenter did say that Marcone is one of his favorites, which is fair. Yeah. Cuz when you go back and you just listen to some of his more famous scores, it's hard not to call it classic. Because, I mean, his stuff's just amazing. And then uh, now we want to talk about some of our favorite, I guess, moments in the movie. And I've got a couple. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite effect shot is whenever they... Okay, obviously we're going into spoiler territory here. Yes. So, but... um. And they just start stretching the head. And it starts off looking kind of goofy until the latex skin rips. And from that moment until the head hits the floor and grows little legs and scurries out of the room. Like, <laughs> it just, it starts off looking goofy and ends looking amazing. 
Spider head, spider head, <laughs> does whatever. Oh, God! Did you see that? And then, I think my favorite overall scene is the, uh, the hot wire blood test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because of the tinch, you can cut it with a knife. Mm-hmm. That scene, just, you, it and leaves it. you expecting so much until the payoff. Mm-hmm. And that fact, the payoff comes about two or three minutes after I expected it and made it better. And this is from someone who's seen this movie multiple times. Yeah. And it that, feels like, that scene, sorry. No, you good. That's, that scene feels like it just goes on and on, but not in a bad way. It's kind of like uh, they're building the tension. You've built a nice tension. You can move on now. You don't need to keep building the tension. No, we want you to be uncomfortable. Oh, no, I get it. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of tension, one of my favorite parts of this is the just the cinematography. Dean Cundy does a great job, and he has done a lot. I mean, he did, he's done a lot with John Carpenter. Dean Cundy did Halloween, he did Halloween 2, he did Halloween 3, <laughs> and then he did a lot of other films. But he, what he does with the cinematography is great in just the subtle moments of empty hallways that create tension so you have panning shots from one doorway to the other you have dolly shots down the hallway like you've seen in the shining and then just those subtle moments of there is a moment where mccready is recording and he's like pretty much almost like just stating what's going on like all as all hell is broken loose and he's just sitting in an open doorway the lights on in the doorway and you are just expecting something to show up and john carper he's like that's the whole point he wants you to do get that tension building but yet nothing shows up so do you know what one of the most recent things he's worked on is i'm pretty sure i do but go ahead and say what do you think it is I'm drawing a blank. Tell me, Phil. The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. He's done two episodes with that. He's been around for a while. He's done a lot. His first first movie he worked on was uh, The No Mercy Man, directed by Daniel Vance in 1973. Yeah. So he's had a spanning career. Yeah. So my personal favorite part, I think, probably comes down to... If not the effects and, like, yet again in that scene with the head and everything, just the mountain of a monster that appears as the chest opens up and just chomps on the doctor's arms. Mm -hmm. And then just, it just springs up into this, like, tree of monster. If not that, then, like I said before, the isolation. The absolute feeling of isolation that drop like it adds to the tension and that whole feel and it also helps drive the characters insane Mm -hmm. they have like mccready halfway through the movie he's once they've locked him out he is not trusting anyone he wants he's willing to kill any of them Mm -hmm. i mean going off of that John Carpenter in the commentary said, like, this film is, he didn't, he was very surprising because it was just, it wasn't about, like, oh, this is a monster about a, or a movie about a monster. This is about a story about men and paranoia 
and seclusion. And this survival. Is, exactly. This is what that movie's about. It's not about, oh, it's a monster. That's all the bonus stuff and the fun stuff. <laughs> there, there happens to be a monster. Yeah. But, like, because he was getting it in McCready's mindset and with the paranoia and the isolation and everything, McCready literally just got locked into survival mode. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care what else is going to happen over the next week or however long this movie takes. He's like, I'm making it up. I'm going to live to the end of this yeah. no matter what I have to do. And that's why he takes charge. He take, takes charge real quick. He's like, nope, I'm going to take all the arsenal. I'm going to keep all the dynamite and... <laughs> Flamethrowers and everything. Molokov cocktails and all the weapons. And I'm going to do the DNA test or the blood test. Because I know I'm not infected. Exactly. Because what Phil said earlier is what ends up ringing true. The monster doesn't like heat. Mm-hmm. And it'll the organisms that make up the thing will do whatever they need to do to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing that made me think about it. It's like, well, what if, what if, hear me out, this, organiz- this organism spreads and then gets to, I don't know, Jamaica, like the tropics where it's real hot. Well, that's why, that's why Blair trashes all of their communication system. And I guess we can go ahead and move into the last part of stuff we want to talk about. So this fan theories and just conspiracies and whatnot within the movie, because this is the meat and potatoes of where you get into is interpretation and listening to the commentary and everything. John Carpenter left so many things in this movie unclear Mm -hmm. on purpose. Yes. But you can pick up on certain things like, when Blair is still working against the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be trashing the radio equipment is one of the last things he does where you can clearly tell that he's still in control of himself. Because getting out is obviously priority number one for the organism. So I'm going to be real here. Uh, I think with how you stated about about the, the... commentary and everything it sounds to me like john carpenter himself just didn't have the answers for these questions he didn't write the answer for the questions because like shelby said earlier he was just making a movie Mm -hmm. all of that extraneous detail and whatnot that Mm -hmm. fans love Mm -hmm. was not important to him yeah it had nothing to do with the meat and potatoes of making this movie Mm -hmm. So it never got written. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, there are several times in the commentary where Kurt is asking John, like, oh, did we ever really know if McCready was infected or if Giles is, um, or Childs is infected? Um, nope. And you'll never know, because I don't know. <laughs> right. Or either that, or during the entire commentary, Carpenter is just playing as coy as he can and is not going to tell us any of the details that we want to know. Because those are your options, really, is either he wrote it and he's not going to tell anybody or he didn't write it because he didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And that's why this film has longevity and it's got rewatchability. Because you can watch it several times over and you will pick on something. And this is where all the fan theories, I mean, you go on YouTube and you can find several fan theories, especially just for the two final characters, Childs and McCready. It's like, okay, 
who is infected if they are if they are infected at all. Because there are theories out there where they're both infected. There's theories out there where it's McCready's not and Childs is. There's theories out there where neither of them were infected. You know, it's just it. You you can run every permutation you want mm-hmm. because anything could make sense. Well, for me personally, I could see Childs being infected. I don't since it follows McCready throughout that whole ending uh, mm-hmm. scene and everything. I have a hard time going. Oh, McCready's infected. Mm-hmm. However, one of the theories that supports McCready possibly being infected. Mm-hmm. It is stated earlier in the movie that the thing replicates the organism or whatever it is taking over once it assimilates it, impersonates it perfectly. So what if McCready's last living thought is to destroy the other things? The thing could assimilate him and continue on with what his last drive was. Also, McCready is a loner, and he stays that way for a while because he disappears That's several the- times. And it's often keyed in that if you disappear, if you're one of the characters that disappears for a period of time or you're alone, you're most likely infected. And they do also find shredded clothes of McCready's. Yeah, yeah, they do. And because he's talking about how how they could have asked if someone like stole his clothes and threw it, threw it up the uh, chute or something. Right. Yeah. Possibly. Weird. Now, we do know that during the blood test, McCready wasn't. True. Which means those clothes... But Childs also wasn't at that time either. <laughs> well, hear me out, but that proves that the clothes weren't. Because the clothes happened before that. That's true. It's just... It's throwing I, the red herring out there. Yeah, it's they, a red herring. The yeah. thing knows that McCready is onto he's onto the scent. He's suspicious right. of everything. Like he will kill all these people. He does not freaking care. He does. He kills. He literally kills, does. I believe it's Clark, the uh, the the dog guy. Yeah, he just puts a in bullet head. into his head. Um, he lights windows up. Yeah, yeah, but Windows is already infected by that thing. Yeah, but I mean, no, but we're at the thing, like, at that point, though, whether he was certain or not, mm-hmm. the mental state you have to be to just torch another living being like mm-hmm. that, like, he's gone, man. But I don't <laughs> think it's, I don't think it's that he's, like, you gotta remember, also, he fought in Nam. He's he's going back. He's going back to the trenches. He's going back to the swamps, man. Yeah, he may be going through some severe PTSD. That's yeah. true. As soon as he got that freaking flamethrower, he was like, "Hey, it's back to Nam." I speak for the trees, and the trees speak <laughs> Vietnamese. <laughs> I love that. I love that meme. <laughs> but the last scene is the one that people like to break down. Yeah. Because there's breath coming off of Kurt Russell. There's not the breath coming off of uh, Keith David. Mm-hmm. People argue that you don't really see uh, McCready drink the whiskey. And for a while now, for the last like hour, which in the storyline, it's been several. He's been using Molotov cocktails the whole time using the whiskey bottles. So everybody's like, oh, there's gasoline in that whiskey bottle and Childs drank it. 
except at this point, like you've said, time has passed. Mm -hmm. Every Molotov that McCready had did not have a label on it. The bottle in the last scene has a label mm -hmm. on it. McCready, what I think happened is went and got his last bottle out of his stash. Mm -hmm. Because when we see, when that scene opens, when Childs is coming up on him, McCready stumbles real hard and the bottle's half empty. I have a feeling that yeah. the missing half of that bottle is inside of McCready. Yeah. <laughs> We've cracked it. We've cracked the code. Yeah, because at that point, he's drunk. Yeah. Well, He's drunk because yeah. he's trying to numb the pain because he's going to... He's, he's going to die. He's going to die. The he's entire station exploded. Except There's, for his house. <laughs> there is no inside left except for his shack. He could live in his shack. Oh, okay. So he waits for that to working. cool down and he can freeze to death inside. It's like chess. With what power, yeah. But I, I don't buy that. I think he just chuckles at that point because he's drunk it doesn't matter to him at this point if Childs is the thing or not. I think he's gonna die one way or the other. I think other. he's chuckling because he's obviously doesn't get along with Childs. And I mean, you see that when they're doing oh, yeah, the blood they test, never and along. he's like, "Oh, now it's Childs's turn," and he's and it. You got he's got that look of disappointment on. His I face. wanted to set you on fire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it's like you're gonna be my next candle. It's like man, karma's a real. B, isn't it? I have to be stuck with you when I'm dying. <laughs> but I can also buy that Childs is the last living thing at the end of the movie. That I have no issue yeah, with. Yeah, he disappears for it. Yeah, and he's just gone. Like, the, yeah. I, you don't even know, have any clue where he uh, goes off to. Because yeah. before the climax, when everybody goes down mm -hmm. into the, uh, into the, the machine room. He yeah, he's, he says he's chasing Blair. That's his excuse yeah. at the end of the movie. Yeah. Except Blair went into the machine room with everybody else. Yeah. Because so, there is a lot of scenes in here where there's a lot of shots at night where you just see a cloaked figure, somebody in a huge coat with their with their hood up, go from one, um, one point to point B. It's like, you don't know who it is. You don't know if it's Blair even to the point where it's Blair who destroys the helicopter. Was it really Blair? We really don't know. No, we don't. And I don't know. Did you guys come across any theories that you really liked? I didn't, but I'm going to be honest. I also wasn't looking for theories. I looked because I was like, I, when I had watched it the first time, I was like, huh. When you get, when you watch it the first time, you're not, picking up on things right especially watching it the second time i picked picked up on a lot of things that i didn't notice before just subtle either just visuals or even like sound moments or um dialogue as well i can't think really any theories that i noticed or that i was really looking into but i definitely did look into theories after watching it the first time because it's like, man, who was infected? We don't really know. And we'll never will. No, we won't. And that's okay. Yeah. That's what makes it a great film. And it's that time. Horror news! Go, Phil! So I have two 
fun pieces of information for you. On the positive side, or possibly positive side, uh, George Garcia has been announced at playing uh, Floop. I believe the name is in uh, the Monsters movie by by uh, Rob, Rob Zombie. So the costume is looking good. It's it's looking good. I'm not particularly familiar with his work, mainly because it looks like a lot of his work is like cop shows and Lost, and that wasn't my cup of tea. But he's he's usually a favorable character. He's he's often like I like him. Yeah, from his build and from what he looks like, I can definitely see him as that kind of character. Yeah, you want to go drink with him. Yeah. And on the pos- possibly good, probably not side, M. Night Shyamalan is releasing a new movie called uh, Knock at the Cabin. It's a uh, cast... It, the cast currently is Rupert Grint. That's been really uh, acknowledged. He's going to be the lead. There's also a few other people, but it's supposed to hit uh, film. It's supposed to hit theaters on uh, February third, twenty twenty three. So we have about another year to figure out to be able to guess what this uh, mm-hmm. twist is going to be. Maybe it'll be that there's no twist. Maybe it'll be his first straightforward movie. We don't know. He doesn't know. No one knows. My my biggest thing with uh, Shyamalan. Is he's on or he's off. He doesn't have a lot of in-between. Hopefully they don't give him any money, because that's when he does his best work. To be fair, I feel like he's been off since the 90s. I will disagree with you. I don't remember what year it came out. I can look it up here in a second. Have you seen The Devil? Yes. That is that is a fantastic horror movie. Yeah. It's very well done. It's also done on a shoestring budget. Which I think is when he he's one of those directors that when he has to be when he's put in a crunch he'll be creative. Mm-hmm. When you give him a bunch of money he gets boring. Yeah. So you're saying he's like Rob Zombie, where he isn't allowed to have money. What are you talking about? Thirty one wasn't an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> well, to be fair, I haven't seen old. His last movie that came out last I year. I haven't heard great things. Well, I I can tell you. The box office run was ninety million, so I mean that's respectable. Um, some happy news for you, Zach. So Freddy's Nightmares is coming to streaming. Oh, good, because I've never gotten to watch that series. So Freddy Nightmares was I, I think it was in the eighties when that was released, or in the nineties, late eighties, late eighties. Um, literally, it was Nightmare on Elm Street TV show. Starring Freddy. It's anthology. an anthology. It's an anthology. It's hosted by Freddy. So it's it's he bookends it like the Crypt Keeper did on yeah. uh, Tales from the Crypt. And then Quiet Place Three, probably not going to be released until twenty twenty five. I'm so behind with the Quiet Place, to be honest. I've seen the first one. I didn't really bother with the second. It the first to me, one. it felt like a con- the first one is a contained story that I don't think needs. They're just making more because they're doing what horror does. That movie make money. Make more movie. Can 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 we just have one nice thing? No. The first and one was not real good. Poop all over it. I have not seen the second. See, we're all in the same boat. We've all seen the first movie. And not <laughs> not the second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If it's good, tell us. That's fine. Maybe we'll get around to watching it, but 
it's a movie that I feel doesn't need a sequel. Mm, also, I guess some hopeful news for Dead by Daylight. The creator wants to use some Stephen King properties. Oh, that's cool. I'm down for Which that. Which characters would you put in there? I mean... Just have Annie Wilkes. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Her, like... I guess kill like cutscene. Just strap a bit, strap them to a bit, and break their Penny, ankles. Pennywise. Pennywise. I mean, you gotta have Pennywise in there. Yeah. Yo, hear me out. Stepping back to Quiet Place Two for a second. Apparently, we need to watch this movie. Oh, yeah. Apparently, it gets a ninety-one and ninety-two on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess Tomatoes. because it is a original idea. That's yeah. the reason why it it's so good. And to answer your question, I would love to see Pennywise. As just a regular dancing clown or spider? Um, I think, I think, you, I don't know if they have variations on each of them, but I think that could be one you could have a variation on. Like, have one run where you're just the dancing clown, one run where you're the spider. Or have it, like, build up to a spider as you go through or something. I feel like they could, yeah. I don't um, know. They pretty much have every single freaking character that you could think of. I mean, I think the only one that they have not used is Jason, because they can't with Friday the 13th. Um, but, I mean, they... I'm pretty sure they even did Leatherface at one point. But, um, yeah, I can't think of any other ones. I mean, you could have Norman Bates. That's just another axe character. Um, you could have the werewolf from Silver Bullet. Yeah, I mean, the... Christine. Cujo. <laughs> Cujo. Cujo. I mean, you could do the one of the vampires from Salem's Lot. True. The Tommyknockers. Yeah, a lot of his stuff is just like existential threat. Though. I don't know. Um, the cat from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the no. little boy. Gage. 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 I was about oh. to say the whole Pet Cemetery. Yes. No, 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 no. I'm Gage. all about the. I'm gonna play with you. Play with me. Whoa. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> dead is better. <laughs> That'd be very funny. Um. I'm going to say this one caught my, uh, look, is The Cursed mm-hmm. werewolf movie that just came out. It looks real good. Set in the late 1800s, so isolated farming town mm-hmm. in the 1800s being terrorized it, by it werewolves. It visually very dark, like very dark lighting, but that makes sense for that time. Like you had candlelight or you had daylight, so I like that. Got the atmosphere almost like the others, just very minimum lighting. That's not true. They had a, uh, they had early light bulbs in the early eighteen uh, hundreds. It's just the filament lasted like fractions of a second. Yeah, it also depends on where they are too. Not uh, true. Get, not gonna get electricity if you're out in the woods. Oh no, absolutely not. But yet again, fractions of a second. They're used. And our plans for March, the Leprechaun. Because there's can't only. Wait. A couple good films. You're wrong. There's, There's one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are entertaining. Yeah, Leprechaun in Space is fantastically entertaining. It's still a bad movie. The first <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hood is a great movie. If you love bad horror. And again, I do. So. Most of them are bad horror. Let's be real. The, le- the Leprechaun has just like that... It has it's, Warwick Davis, and that's great. the charm. It's Willow. <laughs> it is. And that's funny you said charm because it's the charm professor in Harry Potter. Sorry, nerd 
Oh yeah, he, you're right. He is uh, Flitwick. He is uh, Flitwick. But no, I I love the Leprechaun movies. They're great. Then we're in March. We're kind of free for interpretation. What do you guys want us to talk about? One thing that we've been spitballing between the group is doing a like featured director. Give them two to four episodes. Just talk about lesser known stuff from a legendary horror director like Carpenter or Craven mm-hmm. or I, Romero or, you know, have have your pick. Any of, like, a heavy hitter director and we do, just give them a set of episodes. Yeah, I even... And we can make that a poll for everyone. Yep. We can uh, go, hey, what director do you want us to uh, do a deep dive into? Yep. And then, I guess in the comments for that, tell us how many episodes you want. Two, three, or four. Or give, give us a suggestion on what films you want us to talk about. Even better. Yeah. Have some oddball ones. We don't want to just put the heavy hitters out there and just do Halloween for John Carpenter. We yeah, want to do some oddball ones. Shockingly, if you say, if we do like John Carpenter or Toby <laughs> Hooper, and you tell us Texas Chainsaw Master or uh, Halloween, we're probably not doing that. And obviously, if Wes Craven wins the poll... Any of you nerds that say nightmare, we're waiting on that. We'll get there. <laughs> Be patient. Do Freddy's nightmare. Do Freddy's nightmare. The, what is it? The, uh. New nightmare. New nightmare. No. I was going the, uh. The TV, TV show. Oh, Freddy's. Yeah. <laughs> Freddy's nightmares. Yeah. I'm waiting for that to drop on streaming. That'll be great. All right. So anyway, this is Zach. This is Shelby. This is Phil. Stay spooky.